Welcome back to Wherever You May Be, part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. Today, I'm once again joined by Chris. Chris, I feel like last time when I asked you how you were feeling, I already knew the answer. And I feel like I know the answer this time when I ask you, but it's a much more positive, happy feeling. Am I right? Yeah, much, much better. It's a perfect tonic, isn't it? Winning a London derby, especially against against Tottenham in the modern era, I think. Um, yeah, infinitely better than last week and... and the, We've spoken about it before, but I think this this little break has come at a good time as well. But yeah. Let's get into the Tottenham game because when I, you know, when we played them in that semi-final League Cup, I think, like we said, possibly one of the easiest semi-finals Chelsea will ever play. Now, after their last minute heroics against Leicester and Chelsea's disappointing draw against Brighton, I was expecting Spurs to come at us and to just put pressure on us. But again, they made it so easy for us, didn't they? Yeah, it was... After they beat Leicester, especially in the last minute, and that, the way they won that game, I was expecting them to be so much more positive, I think, is, like, the key word. Um, but, like, yeah, two banks of fullbacks on, on both wings. It was just so, so negative. And I think um, from the first minute, we were right at them clearly had the more intent and kind of more attacking energy and, and willingness to kind of attempt to get in behind them and then they they clearly set up in a system where they were going to try and hit us in the break and yeah. I mean they almost did I suppose but um, we dealt with them and it was again uh, it was a continuation of those two games really wasn't it I thought it was just pretty comfortable ultimately um it was kind of tense being there I don't know if you felt that but it, it felt important but yeah. it always actually especially at halftime sort of felt like we we had enough to to get the job done and then that is what happened yeah um like you said we nearly did go behind which I think it would have been undeserved I think that's fair to say if they hadn't gone one up now this has been quite a controversial topic Thiago Silva um, and the push on him by Harry Kane um, I I can agree it's probably soft but do you not think Harry Kane has got to be a little bit more subtle about it if he's going to go and push someone in the back in the box having your arm outstretched like that once you look back at it you think well yeah it's a push surely yeah, it's one of those ones, isn't it? If he'd used two hands, he would say that's 100% a foul. I, I think I more or less agreed with what um, Jermaine Gina said on, on Match of the Day. He, he said that Kane basically didn't need to do it. It is soft, but Thiago Silva smart and completely within his rights to go down. I think that is the key point at the end of the day. He has shoved him in the back. Um, if you watch it at full pace as well, like... Yeah. As much as as much as Thiago goes down easily, that is is pretty hard to stay upright if you're kind of stopping yourself and then someone sort of runs into the back of you. Um, I, when I was there, I was there. I wasn't even sure they were checking it on VAR. But I don't know if they did. Well, they did. I think they did because I think the ref waited for the ball to go in the back of the net before he blew his whistle. Now, if he blows his whistle before the ball goes in the net, VAR can't do anything about it. So what I think is that he was going to wait and see what happened. The ball got put in the back of the net. So he blew the whistle, gave the free kick. And then obviously that way VAR can intervene if they want, but that's not a clear and obvious. Like, I mean, I don't think that was ever going to be overturned. No, not at all. I think, I think you, I saw your tweet saying if, if you support, um, the other club you're screaming yeah. that's it, the end of the day, isn't it? that's what wound me up is that you know obviously Spurs fans feel, feel hard done by um, but if that's down the other end and that's you know Romelu Lukaku pushing Eric Dyer, they're saying of course it's a foul and of course it's not a goal so I think yeah. I think 
playing <laughs> devil's advocate. So my mate, who is a big Spurs fan, he said, so obviously yeah, he was on the side of things saying it was soft. He reckons that if that wasn't at Stamford Bridge, that's a goal. What do you reckon? <laughs> I hate, I, do you know what? I hate stuff like that. Like, no, that's just a foul. And, and I'm, I'm pretty sure wherever that game is being played, you know, it, Harry Kane wasn't subtle about it. You know, it was it was an outstretched arm into Thiago Silva's back. So any ref looking at that is probably going to think that's a foul. Um, mm. So no, I don't agree with that. And <laughs> talking like everyone's talking like we get loads of decisions at Stamford Bridge. I don't even I don't even think that's true. Um, but it was a man of the match winning performance, and I feel like no disrespect as yet, but I feel like we've been waiting two years for this moment and. It's taken far too long than it should have, but we finally saw a performance from Hakim Ziyech that had absolutely everything. You know, his passing was brilliant. His balls into the box were brilliant. He was winning the ball back. He won the ball back most times out of anyone on the pitch. His attitude was brilliant. And we saw a smile after one of the goals of the season. It was an unbelievable performance from him, wasn't it? Yeah, like absolutely perfect all-round performance. Um, as you say, yeah, we've been waiting for that. I think... I'm probably guilty of this as well. Like maybe a lot of us um, have convinced ourselves that Ziyech is something that he isn't. Um, obviously, in that Champions League campaign where he kind of had that rise to, to fame, basically mm-hmm. the performance in that were performances therein were like so consistent that maybe that is what we came to expect. But mm-hmm. yeah, whether that was realistic, I don't know. And obviously, he has he was playing in the Dutch league. It's just as a fact, not to the same standard. But yeah, that is the frustrating thing with somebody is that he absolutely showed that he is capable of playing like that when he wants to, when he's in the mood to. Like literally the first thing he did was was just ridiculous footwork and um, he had that shot, which Lloris saved uh, before half time. But his technique is absolutely unbelievable. Um, and he was spraying passes about, which he's sort of become known for. There's all those like, stadium videos and uh, like fan yeah. videos on social media always like right behind his cross yeah um, but yeah I was fortunate enough in the press box to be like right behind some of his like pinged crosses the one that Lukaku should maybe got the end on of and I was behind his goal looking the other way as well like absolutely unbelievable strike um, and yeah it makes me think maybe he's like a confidence player and I don't know if if he'd just been lacking it, if he doesn't play every single game, there's always like other factors. But you can see why two people started in two games in a row when even when other players were available. Can you like he he's clearly seen something in him in training and the work rate, as you say, was like the unbelievably impressive thing I thought. Like he's tracking back. It yeah. was ridiculous. And I think, like you said there, it is fair play to Thomas Tuchel because I know on Twitter, and I know obviously you shouldn't base everything, every opinion on Twitter, but obviously a large a large following of every football team like, puts their opinions on Twitter. And a lot of people were saying that, you know, Hakim Ziyech shouldn't have started against Brighton. And even though he scored that goal against Brighton, that perhaps he shouldn't have started mm. against Spurs. And, and fair play to Thomas Tuchel and fair play to Hakim Ziyech. But I'm just hoping now that we're going to see that level you know, once everyone's had a rest, like you said, a much needed break, that we can see Hakim Ziyech hopefully get to another level. But having said that, Chris, the problem is we've got so many attackers that is Thomas Tuchel going to stick with with Lukaku? And, you know, those two positions are almost up for grabs. Those three positions maybe we're playing at four at the back. So it's a difficult one with Ziyech, isn't it? That's true, yeah. I think 
I think he pretty much, I feel like he has to give Timo Werner a chance at some point because obviously Timo Werner is, isn't out of the team on merit really. He's just injury and, and um, COVID and stuff. But yeah. Uh, when he has come off the bench as much as I love him, I, I'm not sure he's he's going to be the option. I would like to see Havertz play more, and I, I enjoyed the fact that we played four at the back. I thought we, had, again, looked comfortable doing it, just like we did in the first leg of the Carabao Cup semi. Um, but yeah, I would like Ziyech to, like now, I mean, obviously a lot of time will pass between our, now and our next game, and he will rotate anyway for, um, for Plymouth. But... Yeah, next time we have a Premier League match or because yeah, even even at the Club World Cup he'll rotate, won't he? So yeah. it's a long way away to be fair. My next Premier League match, but um, you would if Zia can kind of carry on some of that form through these games, and there's no reason why he can't. Then you'd like to see him given the chance. But I would personally like to see Havertz, especially brought back in. I think he has something to add, and again has been seriously disrupted by injuries and stuff. And I think coming back in. But yeah, I agree. I, I personally thought Lukaku, I don't know what you thought. I thought he played pretty well. I think he should have scored. But I actually thought it was a decent centre-forwards performance. I thought it was much better in the second half. Um, mm. You know, I thought he was doing... In the first half, I was like, yeah, he's been all right. Like, I, I wouldn't say he's been particularly bad. I think he's been okay. Um, had a couple of chances where he tested Larice, But I think in the second half, you know, he was really... He was doing the stuff that we know he can do, hold the ball up, bringing others into play, making those runs into the box. And I was, yeah, I thought we had a really good game. But you talk about you want Havertz to give a, to, to get a chance. Does that mean in in replace in place of Romelu Lukaku, or does that mean as well as Romelu Lukaku? Because it's it's yeah. difficult. Havertz as a false nine is where we've sort of seen him. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I guess it depends now if he sticks with this different shape, which did work. I mean, I was really impressed with Malang's left back as well, which kind of create, gives us another option. Um, I don't know what tells me that he's not going to stick with it, but something tells me he's not going to stick with it. I mean, it's because it's, it's we played so well in the first leg of the Carabao Cup as a four, and then he just went in the in the game after, and the game after yeah, that, yeah. The, but the second leg went back to a three. So, But I feel like that formation, without Ben Chilwell and Reese James, is the perfect formation because, you know, you've got... Saar that can play left back or you've got Alonso that can play left back um, Azpilicueta is a much better right back than he is right wing back mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I think without those players without those two key wing backs revert into a four and we've shown that Rudiger and Thiago Silva can play in a four yeah yeah Rudiger impressed him as well Thiago Silva obviously can yeah I think that was what was reassuring obviously with Azpilicueta I mean he did well to get forward um, but with Saar they still sort of remain as a three and then Azpilicueta is the one getting forward. So it's still a nice defensive shape. And Jorginho and, and Kovacic were both really, really good on, on Sunday too, especially Jorginho. I thought he kind of picked up pockets of plays and played forward really, really well. And Tottenham couldn't, couldn't get a grip on him at all. Um, but yeah, it's a good point about, about who... So what did he call it? A 4-1-4-1 four, one, four, one or something? And then yeah, so, mounts yeah. in mounts in midfield technically. Although, I don't really know what position it is to be honest. But. Yeah, so there there is the issue of like where you fit Havertz into that. I suppose if, he, if that is the shape he sticks with. But I would like to see Havertz as like yeah maybe an attacking mid behind Lukaku. Yeah. Um. But there, then yeah, again, Callum Hudson Odoi was was excellent, and so he doesn't deserve to lose his place on that on that by that token. So. It's a good selection dilemma to have, I suppose, but 
Mm. It does feel, to me personally, feel like I just want the habits to succeed so desperately, I think, that I really would like to see him back in the team and sort of yeah. doing this, but where he can fit in remains to be seen. I'm sure Thomas Tuchel has a plan. You mentioned Hudson Adoy there. I was I was really impressed with his performance. I thought he had Tanganga sort of on strings. What what annoyed me was he didn't go at him a little bit more once he'd got that first yellow card. Mm. You know, that's the perfect opportunity to to go at someone because they can't touch you for the goal. He did absolutely brilliantly on the left-hand side and and he got in front of Tanganga and he knows that he can't touch him because he's on a yellow card and he set up the goal and, you know, he had a chance in the first half, I think, when, when the car crew sort of swung and missed... Um, and I just wanted a little bit more quick thinking from Hudson Adoy there. You know, take a shot straight away, take it onto your left. I literally saw Thomas Tuchel screaming at him to be like, take it on your left foot. You know, that's where the space is. He always wants to cut inside, but it was a very positive performance from him, wasn't it? Yeah, I think, again, he's sort of a confidence player as well, but he, he definitely grew in confidence from minute one. As you say, yeah, he got drew a foul and got Tanganga booked and then there was a really similar one. The referee somehow missed it not long after, but Tanganga had a hold of him again. It was mm. just a bit more subtle because they were kind of running alongside each other. So he was able to grip him like down by his yeah. hip. So he wasn't like, you know, when he's like, stretch like yeah. the shirt. if you stretch the shirt, then you can like clearly see mm. him pulling him back. But it was a more subtle one. Um, but yeah, uh, the assist was unreal. Like from the halfway line, rolling Tanganga like he did. Um, yeah. Yeah, quality. Really, really good. Um, I want to get on to, so after the Brighton game, Chris, everyone was talking about Hacking ZX celebration and that there wasn't much of a celebration. Um, and it's funny, now that we've beaten Spurs, no one seems to be talking about this uh, dressing room unrest or dressing room trouble or whatever. Um, I actually think, when I, when I thought about it, I thought Hacking ZX isn't one for a big celebration. Even when he was at Ajax, he loved just doing the... Yeah, you know I mean, like he does that a lot, and he did yeah, it yeah. when he scored for Ajax at Stamford Bridge. He literally just turned to the crowd and was like that. He did it against Brighton, and he did it again against Spurs. Albeit he had a little more of a smile on his face mm. against Spurs, but I just, I just don't think he's that sort of player with a big celebration. Were people reading way too much into this dressing room unrest, or do you think there's something in it? I think so. Yeah. So he looked genuinely sort of almost emotional and overjoyed to score that goal that he did score. I think a lot of his demeanour comes with frustration with his own game yeah. um, but obviously this so this stuff today has come out that um, some of Chelsea's attacking players are unhappy because Tuchel is because of how harsh Tuchel is in training and on the pitch in terms of how much he kind of um, shouts at them if they miss a chance or if they make a mistake yeah. like Hudson Adore so the Athletic reported yeah. that today basically and they went as far to say as to say that um some of Chelsea's attacking players are thinking about leaving because they, they don't like it. But then it's also countered by the fact that Ziyech in the past has said that he he likes working with Tuchel and Tuchel has the right sort of relationship with the players. And Mason Mount has said similar things, that he is harsh on the touchline, but then in off the pitch, away from the pitch, he's apparently really chilled out by. So it's just whether or not anything's in that. Um, but I, my thought on that is that... Um, at this, when it, it always seems to happen, Chelsea, but when things aren't going particularly well, these things come out and it looks worse than it actually is. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And it, you can see that the players are happy, the players are enjoying, I mean, certainly winning. I don't think any 
no, I mean, obviously, a no footballer enjoys bad results, and your demeanour does change if your results are going worse. And I think that yeah. was what, what the case was for Zia. Um, yeah, I think it's been frustrating, but I think results have to be a lot worse for things to be seriously bad. And they've worked with Tuchel for a year now, like a year to the day, and they know now. They now know like what to expect of him. Um, and I can't believe that's been that different kind of in the last month compared to what it was before. But yeah. yeah. I'm hoping now that, that that little period's out of the way, this break will do us good. And and it's, it's, it's a real difficult situation for Tuchel um, in terms of like team selection, because you can probably imagine that the players that aren't getting picked are those ones that the Athletic are reporting about. Because the Athletic usually are spot on, aren't they, when they, when mm. they do... When they do um, come out and say stuff so yeah I, I wonder who those players are and if it's true or, or whatever um but I think it's nice that you know we got that win and no one seems to be talking about it again so hopefully that carries on after um after this little break um January transfer window there's only five days to go until it closes it looks unlikely Chris that Chelsea are going to sign anyone I think the the left back position was the one the left wing back um position was perhaps the one that Chelsea were, were looking after obviously wanted to recall Emerson what do you make of that do you think the switch to the four at the back might actually mean maybe we don't need anyone in that position anymore yeah I guess we yeah we sort of touched on that so if he feels that Malinzar is like yeah, a capable option in the back four which he seemed to be based on um, Sunday's evidence and yeah obviously we still have Marcus Alonso he can play left back or left wing back um, those are yeah decent options uh, considering some of the, the scale of the games we could have between now and the end of the season, especially in the Champions League, does concern me a little bit, but they are capable. And if Tuchel trusts them, then, you know, they are they are trustworthy. I think it's, it's going to take some clever formations and instructions to ensure we kind of get the best out of everyone. But it's not ideal. It's a bit thin, but I think they are probably the players to handle it. I don't know what you, what you reckon. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, don't, I think we did need a left wing back. I think Reese James is going to be, potentially might be back for our next Premier League game, which is so mm. exciting. I know it's literally like, it's like three weeks to a month away, but um, that's obviously very, very, very good news. Mm. Um, if, we could, if we could have got Emerson back, then maybe that would have been an option. Um, but honestly, what I'm seeing from Malang Sar um, has been brilliant. I know I was a little bit worried when I watched him in that first game, League, game, League Cup game against Aston Villa. I was a bit like, oh, I don't know, but... Since then, he's been absolutely brilliant. And, you know, there are obviously much bigger tests than that Spurs side we faced and, and stuff like that. But um, so far, so good. And obviously, when you get to the last stages of, of the Champions League and stuff, that's when you want sort of your elite players back. But there's nothing we can do about it. There's nothing we can do about it. I'm not going to sit here and overreact and be like, our season's over because we've got yeah. Marcus Alonso, Malang Sarr at left back. Yeah. It's one position. And I think we've got more of an issue in... The, the sort of centre-back sort of situation. Obviously, that's not going to be... That's nothing nothing to worry about right now, but in four months' time, that is something to worry about with Cesar, Azpilicueta, Andreas Christensen and Rudiger's contract all running out um, at the end of the year. Now, it looks maybe increasingly likely that Azpilicueta's going to go and Christensen, I would say now. Uh, Rudiger's the one that I think is most likely to stay would you agree? Would you agree on that? And do you think that's also the best one out of the three to stay? So yeah, I mean, I definitely think he's emerges the most important out of those three, like just given his 
profile generally now, like age, um, the, just how good he is in our in our system. Um, what I've been told, like through work, is that um, that Rudy is actually like not not closer necessarily to to signing. I think there had been some reports saying that he was he was still open yeah. to. It. I think he probably still is. Yeah, but I, I don't think. I think we would know if, if Chelsea had come close to matching his offer. I think his, his demands are quite simple. I think that's why he wasn't punished like Christensen was, because I think Christensen and his his agent changed and then the goalpost started moving. Well, uh, yeah, I think we basically offered Christensen what he wanted and then they've gone back and gone, actually, we want this and that. But I think the problem is with Rudy, guys, he wants so much money. And I think, mm. understandable, you know, he's been one of Chelsea's best players. You can understand why he wants that. But also, Bayern Munich have also pulled out. Real Madrid have now pulled out. Yeah, because yeah. People, aren't, people aren't going to pay those wages. Now, the only place he's going to get them are PSG. So if you want to go and play around in the French League, which is useless, then do do, mm-hmm. do that. Be my guest. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Compared that to the Premier League anyway, yeah. compared to the Premier League and what he's playing in now. Absolutely, yeah. I, I think that's the thing. I think he knows the fans love him. He knows the manager loves him. He knows how important he is and that we can win literally the biggest trophies there are to win. Um, I think all being well next season, as, as long as we steer clear of the injuries and COVID stuff, like we'll be right up there next season. So he knows that he's probably in the best possible place. So, and yeah, I agree that Chelsea saving grace could be the fact that um, Bayern and Real Madrid just can't or don't want to afford him anyway. Because um, they've got other priorities as well, obviously Real Madrid, especially in terms of how much money they're about to spend on, on strikers or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that's what happens. He's left with no option but to stay. But um yeah, certainly, I agree. He's, he's probably the most important player. But I, I still think, as Piliqueta, I understand, I think like he's at a certain yeah. age where he's obviously served us for um, a decade this year, hasn't he? And nice round number to, to kind of finish his time with us. Um, and he's obviously much, much older. Um, but Christensen, you know, he's like, he's 25. He's got, he's not even at his peak yet. And he's been excellent both at yeah. the international level this year. Mm. So to lose a player like that who's come through the academy would be a bit of a blow. And I imagine his his wages are significantly lower than than Rudy gets yeah. his demands are. So that would that would be I mean, yeah, both uh, would be a big, big blow. But. Yeah. I think we'll have to wait and see on that one. I think it would be, mm. you know, to lose all three at that one time. I think Jules Koundé was, was linked and that's still a deal that could potentially happen. And Trevor Chalibur's there. Thiago Silva's obviously there as well for another year. Thank God I couldn't love that man anymore. <laughs> Honestly, he is, I literally, I think I tweet about him every single game. I'm literally like, I just love him. I, I, I oh, honestly. wish, I wish, I so wish we had him like 10 years ago. I know. I just, I didn't appreciate how good he was. And because yeah. I didn't watch, because I, I didn't watch uh, Inter and I didn't watch PSG every week, mm. you just don't know until you see them in the Champions League. And, and then again, you watch them for what, four or five games if you can. Yeah. But I just honestly, yeah. one of the best. And he loves yeah, us too. That's a nice thing. And I know he's so like, he's the last one out. The last one to go in after a game. He's always there, like singing along. And honestly, that man is—I just 
I absolutely love him. Give him a coaching job when he practices. Yeah, literally, just anything. I want him for another two more, three more years, please. I don't want him to go (laughs) after next season because he'll still be that good then. Um, We have, like we mentioned, we've got a winter break coming up, which is so nice for Chelsea because we played the most games by a country mile. Our team is tired. We do look tired. So it'll be nice to give those players a rest. Um, Going into the second half of the season, Chris, we've got still in a lot of competitions. We've got a League Cup final to come. We've got the Club World Cup to come. We're in the last stage of the Champions League, so the FA Cup. Um, we're not in a title race. I was going to be like, maybe we are, but no, we're not. But um, what are your expectations for the second half of the season? What would now, in the position we're in, what would be a good, successful season for Chelsea, do you think? Yeah, so I think, first and foremost, I think... <sighs> as long as we've kind of overcome this bumpy patch of form, if we can continue to play like we did against Tottenham. Um, just con- consolidating third and putting pressure on Liverpool to second, I think is realistic. I don't see us dropping out of the top four. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, we're in a cup final already. I think we have a decent chance there. Obviously, Liverpool will be tough, but I, I would say... I actually prefer playing against them. I, I think we've got a better chance of beating Liverpool than we do Man City, even though we beat Man City oh, yeah. on the big, in the biggest game of their club's history like when I but I still for any reason I go into a game with Liverpool thinking we can win this yeah. and even and they beat Arsenal obviously and Arsenal been giving us problems in finals and semi-finals in recent years yeah. so um, I agree I'm not, I'm not dreading it by any, by any stretch of imagination but that's a great chance for a trophy obviously Club World Cup before that yeah. is a huge chance for a trophy obviously is less significant perhaps but still like in terms of Tuchel's record. We'll become the best club in the world. Yeah, exactly. As, as, and for Chelsea as a whole, winning winning what I think it's considered a major trophy, isn't it? Um, mm. And then I would I would never bet against us getting to the last stages of, of the FA Cup. Um, mm. And this season, the Champions League, like, you can't ask for everything, but like after last season, yeah, just as good a, as good a go at, at defending it as we can possibly have. And I, yeah. I don't think that's beyond us, especially with the, the last 16 draw we had, really. 100%. I would echo everything you said there. I really want to go on a nice long run in the Champions League again. Um, because I, I, I honestly look at it and I think, you know, Man City, Liverpool, Bayern, PSG maybe, but PSG mm. just seem to bottle it in the, in, in the Champions League. But those four teams that are alongside us, you know, in a knockout, Chelsea are in knockouts. We love knockout games. Like I would bet against us in, in knockout games. I just would. Um but I'd still like to, yeah, I think we've got to come away with one trophy in the top four, two, including the Club World Cup, which I will be out. I'm so excited to um, head off to Abu Dhabi. <laughs> a little bit of winter sun, so I don't look this pale, is going to be great. Um, and just quickly before I go, Chris, today marks one year since Thomas Tuchel took over the club. What an inc- I mean, I literally just got goosebumps saying that. What an incredible <laughs> year it's been. I, either one was really at. Uh, what's the word intrigued maybe a little bit apprehensive about what it was going to be like when he came in but I think now I can sit there at the time I was a little bit sad about it and just wasn't sure if it was the right decision to let Frank go a year later I can obviously see that it was definitely the right decision at the time Um, he has exceeded every bit of my expectations and he gave me genuinely the best day of my life um, in Porto on the 29th of May last year so um I just, I am just for one praying for many more years and many more trophies under him. And hopefully he can turn Chelsea into, you know, what Klopp has done with Liverpool and, and, and Pep has done with Man City. Um, but try and sum it up for us now. What has Thomas Tuchel's first year in charge of the club been like? Yeah. Um, again, I'm going to echo you now. Yeah, everything <laughs> basically. But um, yeah, as you say, completely unexpected. 
pretty transformative and at a time where the club was going through difficult spell, obviously letting go of a club legend as we did was obviously not the first time that's happened to us, but obviously Lampard is particularly close to, to everyone's hearts. Um, but it feels like such a good fit. I didn't, I wasn't the same as you. I was intrigued, not convinced, didn't think mm-hmm. it would last long. I mean, it's still liable not to last long. It is yeah. after all, but um, <laughs> he, at the moment, feels like the absolute perfect man for the job. And I think he feels that way about the club too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a matter of, yeah, just he's proven what he can do. I think just give him what he needs, what he wants, yeah. the tools yeah. that he needs to to achieve. And I think the club have sort of done that so far. Obviously, with Lukaku in the summer, um, just needs to get him scoring goals. But it's, yeah. it's all, if away from all the noise, we're in a good place. I think, as we said, as good as we expected this season, coming from a team that was scraping to finish fourth last season, we're right up there. This team will have gelled more in the coming weeks and months. Um, and I think actually the title race now being off the cards takes away a massive distraction because as long as we're not dropping this stupid amount of points, but we can have a really good run in the other competitions. Um, but yeah, overall he has, yeah, just brought uh, a real, he feels like the perfect man for the job basically. And then hopefully that continues for a long time. Well said, Chris. Right, that's it. It's all we've got time for. Thank you so much for listening. Chris, thank you very much. If you could drop us a review, it would be very much appreciated. Subscribe if you haven't already and if you've enjoyed what you heard. There's a little bit of a break now, but don't worry. We will be back very soon here on wherever you may be.